0: Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast.
1: Headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhardt. A lot of us probably look back at 2021 as a type of comeback year or maybe a return to normalcy in New Mexico. There's no doubt been a lot of challenges as well that we've all faced this year coming out of the pandemic.
2: But there's also been some uplifting stories we've heard in the community this year. KRQE is highlighting that in a retrospective news special this season focused on resharing some of the most memorable good news stories of 2021. The special debuts this week.
1: Today, we're talking with two reporters who've had a role in it. It, sharing some great stories this year. Brittany Bade and Jamie Seymour join us here on the pod. Both have a significant roles in our news coverage this year and even going back years before that. Thank you both for being here.
2: Thanks for having us. Very excited to be here. Yeah, so we want to start with some background here on both of you. Brittany, let's talk to you first. How long have you been here? And explain to our listeners, what is it that you do here at KRQE?
3: Pushing five years now, hard to believe. I am our Fox anchor. So I anchor our six and our nine and our 10.30 p.m. shows. And I also am a daily reporter too. So you'll usually find me at four 5.30 or 10 o'clock.
1: Jamie, the same question for you. I know you have been here for a few years as well and also started on our morning show, right?
3: Yeah, so
4: I've worked about every shift uh, that KRQE has to offer. I'm coming up on three years in two months. I started off as the morning reporter. Um, about a year ago, made the transition to our day shift, which normally means reporting for the four or 530 shows. And then in the last couple months, moved to Nightside. So you can catch me reporting for our 10 o'clock show.
1: Having worked both ends of the spectrum now, mornings or nights?
2: I'm a night owl always happen. (laughs) Okay, so you can sleep in a little bit now. Yes. Okay, that's important. Okay, so Jamie, actually, let's start with your story first here. This is one that's going to be featured in our Good News special, and this is certainly one of the most memorable Good News stories that came out of what was really a dark day in Albuquerque. For context for our listeners, this happened back in August when four Albuquerque police officers were hurt, three of them shot after what initially started as a robbery investigation near a Dutch brother's coffee house on Wantabo. This was in the middle of the day, and we'll play your story, but I just wanted to give a little more context on the four officers I just mentioned. We had Officer Mario Verbeck with APD, who was injured critically after taking a bullet to the neck above his vest. Officer James Eichel was shot in the arm. Sergeant Sean Kenny took a bullet in the center of his bulletproof vest, which APD says saved his life. And Officer Harry Gunderson was injured by shrapnel and glass from the gunfight. Now, some good Samaritans helped make sure two of those officers got out of harm's way and are credited with saving lives that day. So we're going to go ahead and play your story, Jamie. Two of the people who came to the rescue of the APD officers who were shot last week are now being honored for
4: their heroic efforts. News 13's Jamie Seymour is live near Wantabone Mountain where the shooting first happened. Jamie? Today Mayor Keller said if it weren't for a neighbor and a police aide taking quick action, Officers Mario Verbeck and James Eichel may not have survived. When bullets started flying last week on Juan Debo, hitting three officers and injuring a fourth, two people went into the danger to help them. One of them, neighbor Johnny Garcia, who saw Officer Mario Verbeck down just outside his backyard and used the officer's radio to call for help.
1: We- heard his voice. We were listening to the police radios up here as soon as we found out what happened. And I remember hearing his voice. I remember it because it was so unofficial. There weren't all these 10 codes and everything.
4: That rescue caught on camera by a nearby construction worker. Garcia says he didn't have a second thought when it came to getting Verbeck to safety.
0: I couldn't leave him there. He's an officer of the law and I could not do that. So I, I had to assist him to uh, to make sure he was okay.
4: At the same exact time, police aide Jacqueline Hernandez Zarate, only 19 years old, rushed to put a tourniquet on Officer James Eichel, who was shot in the arm, leaving him seriously injured.
1: Her actions that day, she she remained calm during these chaotic moments, which I can't even imagine how she could do that.
4: She credits on the job medical training for that quick thinking during the chaotic morning. I made sure
0: that I got the, the training that I wanted, and I can not be more appreciated for that.
4: Earlier today, Officer Eichel was released from UNM Hospital with a full procession. Police Chief Harold Medina says that day could have had an entirely different outcome had it not been for the bravery of
0: these two. For the rest of your career you should be proud of the fact that when the time came you stepped up to the challenge and you did what you needed to do sergeant
4: sean kenny who was shot in his bulletproof vest last week which saved his life was also there for today's award ceremony but did not speak to the public chief medita went on
2: to say that the department will be honoring and recognizing more heroes in the coming weeks back to you so jamie you helped cover this story the day that that happened what do you remember from when this first happened and in the days following
4: i just remember on the news and it was very chaotic. I'm sure it was there at the scene as well, but we were still trying to figure out what was happening. So a few people had went out to the scene. I had went out to the hospital where the officers were taken. We were kind of waiting out there all day trying to find out what had happened. The following day, we heard about this man, Johnny Garcia, who had helped Officer Verbeck. This gunfight had happened right in his backyard over a retaining wall. And he noticed one of the officers hadn't ran past. And so when he looked over the wall, he saw Officer Verbeck critically injured. He helped carry him. He helped lift him up, get him all the way to where officers were to get him to safety. And in the meantime, there was a nearby construction crew that captured all of this on video. So when all these tragic things happen, whether it's a mass shooting, a police shooting, hurricane, you always have to go look for the helpers. And that was Mr. one of Rogers. these things. Yep.
2: That's right. <laughs>
4: And that's one thing I always remembered, and that was a big part of this coverage was these people that stepped up and went to rescue these officers' lives.
1: I know you mentioned talking to uh, Johnny Garcia in the day afterwards and, and really hearing his story. What do you recall from, from your interview with him? Did he really like understand the gravity of what he did and what kind of person was he?
4: He was very shocked that we even wanted to interview him. (laughs) I'm like, you you have a story to tell. Um, I actually caught up with him that very next day. He was back at his day job working for a construction site in Santa Fe. So we drove right up to the house he was working on and I think he was still a little bit taken aback by everything. He was just kind of matter of fact, I I did what I needed to do. And it wasn't until about a week or two later when this kind of event happened to honor him and Jacqueline that I think he finally realized what exactly he had done. I mean, he was very emotional at that point, but I think day after he was still kind of in shock.
2: (laughs) yeah it's hard to imagine witnessing that first of all we heard that there was a barrage of gunfire. And, you know, like we mentioned, we saw the footage of him like helping Officer Verbeck from the video that was captured by that construction crew across the street. Um, the 19-year-old police service aide, Jacqueline, she gave a brief statement during that news conference when she was honored. And she was also very humble about the situation. But for her to be so young, see an officer injured, rush to put a tourniquet on Officer James Eichel, who was shot in the arm, I can't imagine what was going through her mind did you get a a chance to talk to her at all very briefly um like
4: you mentioned she was very humble and she didn't want to make a big deal of it but she was only 19 years old she had just gotten this job side gig as a police service aide and she happened to be there right place right time but she didn't even really want to talk about it um I think she was just very surprised that everyone wanted to honor her when as she put it she was doing her job but I think these are the kind of people we really want in our community.
1: Watching it back, and, and also and I know you were there at the uh, ceremony that day when that happened. Um, any other thoughts stick with you about what it was like to, to cover a story like this, which they are very rare types of stories to happen here in Albuquerque.
4: They're those kind of stories that stick with you. No matter if we go on to another market and another city after that, it's these kinds of stories, these kinds of people that you'll always remember. But I was just really honored to be able to tell this story. I mean, I wasn't even originally part of the day of coverage. Um, We already had reporters doing everything. I actually was on a different story, and we were kind of low on people, and I just ran out the door to go to the hospital. And then that's kind of how I got pulled into it, and I'm really glad I was able to stick with it. And kind of bring some good news out of a really tragic situation,
2: and even better now to know that these officers are all recovering, and they're all doing well. Thanks to the good help of those good Samaritans who, you know, it, literally in a moment of chaos, stepped in and really helped. So thank you, Jamie, for bringing us that story. It was a really one of the best stories for us to share for our good news special. You have a story in the mix of this special here as well. This one focused on a familiar face in Albuquerque if you've been here over the years. A man who made strides for becoming the first business owner with Down Syndrome but it also highlights a global problem about healthcare affordability and access to resources. Um, before we get into the story I want to just play it as well.
1: Nearly 50% of children born with Down Syndrome are in urgent need of a life-saving surgery.
2: However, many parents aren't aware of the risk and that surgery is expensive. News
0: 13's Brittany Bate explains how new Mexicans are working to change that. It felt like I was holding a glass doll because she seemed so fragile with her medical conditions. The beginning of Cheyenne's life was scary. I worried you know, am I going to get to take my daughter home? Is she going to be able to see the nursery that I have waiting for her. The now 12 year old was born with a condition
5: that 50% of children with Down syndrome have a hole in her heart. One that she would end up needing open heart surgery to repair in hopes
0: of a long life. I really had to trust God um, that morning. It was 5 a.m. of her surgery. The day of her surgery. And I remember her sitting on the bed with her scrubs on and smiling and laughing and waving. Cheyenne surgery, albeit long, was successful. I can't imagine going back in time and receiving that news and then knowing that, you know, your child can't have this medical procedure done because of financial reasons or just availability. That is a problem thousands of parents all across the
5: world do face. In developing countries like Uganda in the Philippines, the majority of people see having a child with Down syndrome as something to be embarrassed
0: about. In my, in my case, I don't. I feel proud of him.
5: The stigma makes these children a low priority in the medical world, making an already expensive and specialized heart surgery even harder to get.
0: They need to be fixed so they can live an awesome life just like me.
5: Tim Harris, the first business owner with Down Syndrome in Albuquerque, just partnered with Hearts of Joy, an organization that pays for heart surgeries. My restaurant served up more than just food. I got famous for my hugs. Using his famous hugs to raise money and awareness. We're teaming up for the Hug for Hearts Challenge, where we spread joy and heal hearts one hug at a time. Hearts of Joy founder Lauren Costabile says the light-hearted challenge could go a long way. Yeah, we're trying to break stigmas, heal hearts, and change communities. And help a lot of kids grow up to live happy lives just like Cheyenne.
0: I just get to experience so many miracles by watching um, my daughter and and the journey that we're on. It's been a a great adventure. (laughs) Brittany Bade, KRQE News 13. It's a great story. Hearts of Joy has paid for
2: 37 children to get that life-saving surgery so far. The average cost of the procedure and travel to a providing hospital is $10,000. So
1: your thoughts watching that story again, I thought it was interesting in that this is a situation I had never heard of until watching your story.
3: I hadn't heard of it either, and I think that's uh, there's been a couple times over the years where I've done stories with families in Albuquerque that have completely opened my eyes to a medical issue, um, whether it be with mom or with baby, that happens way more often than you think. And people just never really talk about it. So I was happy to be able to talk
2: about it. Our listeners can't see the faces of some of the kids featured in your story, but there are some big smiles. Huge smiles. (laughs) And you featured some of those kids like in other countries where they're just is not that access to resources like there is here. This was an emotional interview I gathered from the mom that you interviewed here and a local business owner who's really making a life-changing difference for some of these families. So what was it like crafting that story and what was your takeaway?
3: Oh, it was hard. I begged our 10 p.m. producer for a lot of extra time and she gave it to me because we all loved the story. but starting with the International mom, so Hearts of Joy International, they do a lot of work in places like Uganda, India, the Philippines, Mexico, as well as in America. And part of, a big part of what they do is just educate parents about what Down syndrome is because like I mentioned in the story, is a huge issue is that in these countries, the vast majority of the population see having Down syndrome or any kind of um, different disability makes you not worthy of medical treatment. And in countries where healthcare is already so few and far between and hard to come by, it breaks your heart. No, Obviously no pun intended that these kids who really need surgeries to be able to have a healthy heart don't get them because they're just not a priority. So the moms were just heartbroken. I know we played a clip from a mother in Uganda that was in her native language, but what she said is when I heard about my son's hole in my, his heart, um, I just lost hope because I figured there was just no way that he was ever going to be able to get that surgery. And that's not something you can live with, not for long anyway. So it's very important to these families internationally, but as well as in America and right here in New Mexico, we had a family they live down in Socorro, Melanie Sanchez and her daughter Cheyenne, who is now 12. She's doing awesome. She got her surgery back in 2015. So she's had her heart repaired for six years now. So fun, just like lights up the room when you talk to her. So excited. Just that like energy and happiness and purity to be alive is so fun to talk to you and kids, especially because you're like, man, had you, God forbid, not been able to get this, you probably wouldn't be here. And look at what a light you are now, all of these kids. So Hearts of Joy International has been able to help 37 kids over the last couple of years, which is amazing. And it's just, it was, I was happy to share it. And Tim Harris, who owned Tim's Place, right. which had food. But really, he got famous for his hugs, like you said, (laughs) because they're big old strong hugs. So, yeah. And he was a huge part of the social media campaign, helping raise awareness and money for Hearts of Joy. Wow, that's awesome.
1: I know there's usually a lot that we learn. And I think, too, every time that I've interviewed somebody who, who cries during an interview, it's really hard. You get that kind of lump in your throat feeling. And also, to be in that role as a reporter, cutting all of the pieces of that interview down. There's always parts that you may want to do include that didn't make the cuts, but was there maybe anything about this interview that you remember that was that hard to, to really narrow down, to squeeze down? Yeah.
2: You mentioned begging for time and for people who don't, aren't familiar. I mean, a reporter normally gets like a minute and a half, two minutes in a newscast. Yeah. So yeah, you talk about breaking it down. This was like three minutes. So, <laughs>
3: so I scored some extra time. Yeah. And I'm going to try not to cry now, um, but it—the thing that really stuck with me, um, whether you're a parent or about to be a parent or not—is um, was um, uh, was Melanie talking about how she was so nervous that she wasn't going to get to bring her daughter home because you know this was 12 years ago and there's a lot of tests now that can tell parents that, you know, where your child is going to need surgery as soon as they're born because they do have this condition or they do have this congenital defect that we're going to need to fix very quickly, like a hole in their heart or spina bifida or something like that. And um, that really wasn't the case even 12 years ago. So her expecting you know just a completely normal kind of birthing experience like you know go to the hospital have the baby go home you're good uh, wasn't the case and her talking about just being in the NICU and her daughter being so small and she described holding her as like a glass doll. like I didn't know how she was so fragile I didn't know if I could bring her home to the nursery so that was, that was what stuck with me. And that's definitely when I was crying during that interview yeah. uh, and listening to it. But then also what was awesome was the day that she ended up getting her surgery because she, Cheyenne had the hole in her heart for five years before she really needed the surgery. And, um, the day she got the surgery, her mom was just Devastated knowing everything that her daughter was going to have to go through, because I think as a parent, you'd be like, I wish I could get a thousand surgeries on my own heart before I would ever want to put my daughter or my child in that situation or need her to to go through that. And she said, you know, she's heartbroken and just praying and so worried. And Cheyenne was just sitting on the bed in her scrubs, like laughing and smiling and waving. Just, she's like, no, I'm going to be good. And she was, she's perfectly fine. She has wonderful energy. She's growing. She's, you know, it's awesome. Children are so remarkable. Yeah.
2: I'm a parent and just watching that story, I'm like, oh God, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) It, uh,
3: it tugs at your heartstrings for sure.
2: But I think, I think what's really cool about both of your guys' stories is that, you know, you get a sense, and I don't know if you guys run into this as well, like people who say, oh, we don't watch the news because it's so depressing, but there's also a lot of good stories that we tell. And yeah, I appreciate you guys both bringing us These ones.
1: Along those lines, I mean, we all worked together in the KRQE newsroom through 2020, when things were upended to say the least. Now going through 2021, which has brought back sort of a a feeling of hope amongst many people that things are changing for the better, Um, albeit the pandemic is continuing. I wanted to ask you both the experience when you sort of do a year over year, 2021 to 2020 in that comparison, and maybe what do you look forward to in 2022?
4: You know, we've still been really cautious doing a lot of stuff over Zoom, which has been a godsend in this the past couple of years because a lot of these stories wouldn't have been able to happen, period. But one of my favorite parts about being a reporter is getting out in the field, going out, meeting these people face-to-face, hearing their stories, not through a computer screen. And I think as a reporter, that's something I'm looking forward to in the next year. Um, but overall, just as kind of getting through this pandemic, people getting healthier, learning more about this virus and being able to move forward.
1: Brittany?
3: I would I would say hopefully we get further away from just like what felt like the constant um and we felt it too. You mentioned, I mean people saying they don't want to watch the news because it was all bad news uh we all really felt that too <laughs> we when right. we were reporting on it every day we we're like man i don't even want to talk about this anymore and we couldn't unplug no like, you like other people could no you just kept you kept going and you were like consuming a thousand tons of like the worst news you've ever heard every single day and it was exhausting uh, emotionally mentally you know everything so i think i'm just looking forward to not having to talk about record high numbers of people being unemployed, of businesses that we all love and enjoy having to shut down. The the revitalization I think is what I'm getting at is just more normal people enjoying Albuquerque, New Mexico and the place we all live and just not, not seeing it all uh, wither away. Yeah, there's so much to offer
2: here. And and to wrap, that's a a great transition to my last rapid fire here section. I wanted to present to you both Um, to give people a little bit of an opportunity to learn more about you two. um, I'll ask you a series of questions. You can answer as best you can. First thing that comes to mind, Jamie, let's start with you. Favorite New Mexican dish? Green
4: chili, cheese enchiladas. I don't eat meat.
2: (laughs) Okay, okay. Favorite place to visit in New Mexico? Taos best part of your job. It's different every single day. Good and bad. For sure. And okay, so what is the hardest, most most challenging part of being a journalist here? I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> a <dangerous laughs> name. But we have to meet deadlines. We yes, uh, have so deadlines
2: every day. Yeah. So
4: that that is the challenging thing for me.
1: <laughs> always hard to hit those deadlines, uh, especially if you get all your interviews ahead of time and you've got all afternoon to maybe put your story together and you're not rushed. I always found that to be the hardest thing too. <laughs> so. Lastly,
2: you. Jamie, red or green. Green. Ooh, oh that was fast and easy okay <laughs> <laughs> all right britney
3: your turn
1: yeah favorite new mexican dish
3: green chili cheeseburger
1: okay Favorite place to visit in New Mexico?
3: Gotta be a three-way tie between the Towski Valley, Navajo Lake, and Hemet Springs.
1: And you've done a lot of hiking in your years yeah. here too, right? Lots
3: of hikes in those areas, beautiful hikes with uh, Grant Tostrud. He's my little hiking buddy. Yeah, you buddy. guys have like a hiking Instagram together. Yeah. <laughs> we do, we take my our German Shepherd, well, my German Shepherd, and <laughs> Grant and I don't have a dog together. <laughs> um, my German Shepherd, and we just like romp all over the place, it's a blast.
1: Best part of the job?
3: Um, meeting new people opens your eyes to a million things you never even thought of
1: and the hardest part most challenging part
3: meeting a lot of new people on the worst days of their lives that is yeah that's tough
1: very true and lastly red or green chili may have given us a little foreshadowing on this it's
2: green it is green Okay. Well, you guys, I love that both of your favorite dishes also included chili. So I appreciate (laughs) that.
4: (laughs) It's kind of a must now.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you both for joining us. This was a a great episode to have you guys on and explain a little bit more about your stories and what you do.
3: Happy to. It was fun to talk about and they're still doing that fundraiser. So if you want to donate, please do. Thanks for inviting us on. Yeah. We'll include links to both of their stories
2: um, in our show notes as well. Thank you. Thanks to our KRQE reporters, Jamie Seymour and Brittany Bade, for sharing some good news stories with us to close out the year.
1: We have posted links to both of those stories online in the show notes for this episode. And don't forget the good news special. You can check out the TV schedule for the time on krqe.com. And that special will also repeat several times on our KRQE media group family of stations throughout the year. And, of course, all of the stories in that special are online
2: yeah and remember you can send us your good news story ideas it's often how we find out about what's going on in the community in the meantime you can contact us email me at gabrielle at krqe.com and gburknm on twitter
1: and i'm chris.mckee at krqe.com on email and on twitter that is chris mckee tv thanks for listening